you've got to be able to have consistency so they feel good about who you are, who they're dealing with, what they think you're all about, so they can start to build a rapport and a relationship. And so that's why consistency is huge. Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Startup Smoothie Podcast, where we blend together the best customer experience and operation strategies for startups. Joining us today is Michael Doyle, the founder and CEO of Brandiron, a leading branding and marketing firm in Denver, Colorado. With extensive experience and expertise in creating successful branding and marketing strategies across various industries, Michael has established himself as a true authority in this field. He is a renowned public speaker and is dedicated to educating others on the impact of branding and business development. It's truly a great episode, so stick around. Customer is always right. It is a cutting edge, high tech firm out of the Midwest. Explain business ethics and how they are applied today. Ooh, that's a rough business to be in right now. <laughs> Cousin business is a boom. New technology permits us to do very exciting things. And we're live. Welcome, Michael. How are you? Doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you today. I have a lot of great questions lined up for you. Perfect. Um, yeah, I'm going to start you off. I just saw a quote on Brand Iron's LinkedIn that I thought was interesting and I wanted to talk about. And that quote is, good marketing makes a company look smart. Great marketing makes the customer feel smart. And I was wondering if you could just kind of break that down, that philosophy there. Yeah, we try to tell people that it's not just about things that look pretty or cool logos or cool websites, but we try to make sure we do things that set our clients up for success. And at the end of the day, it's really all about, are we doing our job to make our clients not only look smart, but also we're doing our job and helping our clients achieve their desired outcomes and setting them up for success and helping them to achieve that success really is, in our opinion, the smart way to do business and how do we set them up to be able to do so. Right. Because I imagine you have to ensure that you're delivering on the promises of what you're marketing. So Correct. there's a lot of coordination with their operations teams or product teams and maybe even customer support. So what does that coordination kind of look like with your team and other companies? Yeah. So we typically have to work with whether it be a VP of sales or marketing or the CEO and whoever does their IT or helps to manage their, their data. Because a lot of what we do these days is built on like a technology platform or, you know, a mm -hmm. SaaS platform. And so do we have access to all of that? So it's, it's multifaceted, right? It's who we're really working with from a sales and marketing perspective and helping refine that brand, the message, the look and the feel, the calls to action and what that wants to look like. But then how do we work with their, it could be their marketing team to help get it implemented, working with their sales team to make sure there's an integrated process between the marketing and sales. So that if we develop a lead, how does that get processed? How does that transition or handoff go from what we're doing on the marketing level and get handed off to the sales team? And what does that process want to look like? What are we doing? When we get a lead, how are we managing that from a technology standpoint? How do we getting them those leads, how do we put it into the database? How are we quantifying them, qualifying them, and tracking and measuring what we're doing from the data perspective, building up our database, building up our SMS database if we're going to do that, and making sure that we're coordinating with all the different key components within that company to make sure that everything from the sales and marketing team, the technology team, 
And then ultimately, the C-suite executives is in line to what they're trying to get accomplished, making sure that we coordinate with all the different teams within a client and our own team to make sure we're putting the systems in place, the processes in place, tracking, measuring the right things on how we're going to be able to do that so we can report on it, track and measure effectiveness of what's working and what's not working and doing it in a timely fashion. So it sounds like you really embed yourselves into the organizations that you go into. Um, Uh, Yeah, I have to. As a consultant, that is, I I suppose, a concern of a lot of companies, right? Um, When they hire a consultant is that they're not a part of the company. And so how do you demonstrate that to a client and get everybody on board with, you know, the things that you need in order to achieve the outcomes you've been, you know, paid to reach? Yeah. To the very beginning, we lay out the goals and objectives and what the desired outcomes want to be. So we kind of make sure we're all in alignment of what that looks like. We also make sure that we put in checkpoints along the way. You know, typically in the first three months, we'll meet, especially on these bigger engagements, like on a weekly basis, and we'll have a really well-documented, you know, here's everything we're trying to get accomplished. We actually like to start out with what are the KPIs we're tracking out of the gate? What do those look like? And what do we have to do to be able to track and measure or capture the data so we could report on that? And then what are the key components and who's got what pieces, whether it be our own team or the client? team and how do we make sure that we're getting all that data together. And so usually it's a weekly meeting from the get-go and we have the high-level goals and then what's the breakdown of what we have to do in order to be able to work to that goal or do activities that are going to help us along the way to get to that goal. And then how do we tracking and measuring? So it's really having to put together agenda, understanding what the goals and objectives are, who's handling what, who's responsible for those things, and then who's accountable for those things and how do we effectively communicate all these different components to be able to make sure it all comes together. That's incredible. Sounds like a lot of work. It it is a lot of work. But you know, actually, we were talking about this this morning. A lot of times what we are hired to do is to kind of automate or transform a business, especially, you know, in some of these older school businesses, is how do we Mm -hmm. come in and bring automation and bring technology, bring systems and process into place that we can track and measure the effectiveness of all these things. And really, it's about how do we help these companies move along the way to optimization and digital transformation. And what do we have to do? Yeah, it's branding and marketing, but what do we got to do from changing systems and process and as well as the mindsets within the organizations to be able to successfully integrate these together and get to where we really want to be at the end of the day? Yeah. I imagine over time too, you kind of develop some, um, just some go-tos, right? Some quick implementations that you know have an ROI, right? 100%. And here's a good part of it is, are we tracking the measuring, right? And so can we put together on the website, great landing pages or strong calls to action? Or can we track phone calls that are coming in? Or can we track what mediums are performing and which ones aren't performing so we can kind of optimize everything? And so there's some what we call low hanging fruit things we'd like to take a look at right away, especially in the first 30, 60 days. And there's some longer term things that takes a little bit longer. But yeah, I mean, that's what we try to do is establish right out the gate. What things can we show some progress against right away? Harry, do you have any hard data? Um, Are there any kind of expenses or efforts related to branding that you consider maybe frivolous or inefficient for companies to be spending their time on? 
Yeah. I mean, here's a really good example. I got a client that's spending quite a bit of money on quote unquote brand building and mm -hmm. they can't track and measure because it's not tied to a specific end campaign or selling of a different product or a different service. I know it's important, but especially for younger, smaller companies, most of them just don't have the dollars or the resources to do that, frankly you're going to spend X to get to Y. And so what is the most effective way to spend those resources, that time and that energy and get a return on that investment, especially if you're a smaller firm and what does that look like? So like for this organization, they've really never done a whole lot of marketing or advertising. And they're wondering like, we're spending all this money, but we're not seeing any results. <laughs> well, why don't we break it down and make it more digestible and spend that time, energy and resources on campaigns that we can actually track, send them to a, like a landing page, sending to a sales funnel, sending them to make a call and inquire about this with a strong call to action that we can track and measure in a fairly quick and concise fashion. That's what I really like versus just, you know, spending money and not having the ability to be able to track and measure the effectiveness. Yeah. No, tracking is important. Data is vital. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, okay. So we have a segment on our show called Two Bad Things. Welcome to our segment called Two Bad Things where both things are really bad, and somehow you have to pick the thing that's actually worse. Starting out, we have failure to adapt to customer needs, or lack of transparency in the product. Um, I think it's a failure to understand the customer and their needs versus the transparency. I think we've got to understand the customer. We have to listen to the customer. We understand their sense of urgency. We need to understand what they're trying to get accomplished and make sure you're 100% aligned. So I think that's way more critical than transparency. Although transparency is hugely important, I think you've got to be 100% aligned with the customer, make sure you're really understanding what's important to them. Yeah, I'm not uh, you know, a marketing specialist by any means, but I definitely think, in a, at least in America, uh, I don't know. I think adapting is probably more important than transparency. But anyways, moving on. No, and, and to the point, you know, it's not just our clients. Most clients in general, they want to make sure that you are connected with them. You are emotionally, you've got your EQ. You're emotionally aware of their concerns or their sense of urgency and be able to have the ability to look your client in the eye, make sure you hear them, understand them and communicate that you hear and understand them. And so you can listen to their needs and be able to put together strategies or put together a timeline that helps them feel better about everything that you're doing. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of coordination there with internal teams looking your customer in the eye. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, you know, we talk about it all the time. One of the biggest complaints we get from our clients is when the team members aren't on camera and your clients love to see who they're talking to. They want to see their emotions. They want to see their face. They want to, they want to be able to read them. Even though we're not, you know, most of the time we're not in the same room with them very often, but we are from time to time, but they want to be able to have that personal connection. Even though you're on video, they want to be able to see and read those signs or signals on their face and be able to connect with them emotionally. Even it may be challenging electronically these days. That's a really good point. We were talking before the podcast about oh, this is an audio only podcast. And <laughs> Michael was convincing me to move to video. <laughs> uh, so I feel like you're doubling down. Okay, we will move to video, Michael. <laughs> okay, next one. Which is worse, poor social media presence or branding that lacks a consistent message and visual identity? Uh, 
I'm going to say this, the latter about inconsistent brand mm. um, because we see it all the time. I mean, we start to work with clients and sometimes it's absolutely crazy where we'll see 20 different logos or everybody has developed their own PowerPoint templates <laughs> or they got different color palettes. And I mean, I've seen some complete train wrecks. And you could look at different PowerPoint presentations and you have no idea if it's the same company or not. And the same thing on some of the posts on social media too. You're like, well, wait a second, the customer service team's doing this, the sales team's doing this, the product team's doing this, and then you got the C-suite doing this. And what is their voice? What is their brand? What are they all about? And you've got to have some consistency and you've got to be able to know what those value points, what the value proposition is. And so that your customers can kind of build a relationship. You've got to be able to have consistency so they feel good about who you are, who they're dealing with, what they think you're all about, so they can start to build a rapport and a relationship. And so that's why consistency is huge. Yeah. I'm not agreeing with you just to agree with you, but I'm very big on consistency. We like draw the cover art for our guests on this podcast just because I need consistent branding. Yep. Not because we love to draw here or, you know, we love the extra time. Uh, the colors is like huge for me, but yep. same with like landing pages too. And I'll get targeted ads for one thing. And then I'll go to the, you know, click on the targeted ad and go to the landing page. And it's a completely different messaging. It's very confusing. Oh, yeah. And that's why it's so critical. These two are almost one and the same. So good luck, Michael. Which is worse, bad customer service or negative publicity? Um, they're both bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're kind of the result. Like, one could be the result of the other, too. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I, you're asking me for the worst of two evils here. Um, you know, I, I think it's bad customer service because it's more on a personal level. The negativity online, you can sometimes take that with a grain of salt. But if you have a bad experience with somebody from the company, I think that really sticks in your mind and does a lot more harm to individual customers. And either it could be super positive or super negative. And there's really not a lot in between typically compared to, yeah. yeah, you may have some negative reviews out there, but I may not have a personal experience with that one way or the other. I half agree with you on this one. Okay. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't know. Uh, I think uh, you're right in that customer service is the worst of the two, but I do think bad customer service is easier to fix than negative publicity. You know, once the genie's out of the bottle, it's kind of like hard to put it back in. Yeah, I'll have to agree with you. I mean, they both have their negatives, and so which is the worst? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, here's a really good example is, you know, we work with a medical practice and, you know, people are so fast to go out there and go online and provide a negative review versus yeah. it takes pulling teeth out and pulling nails to get people to give a positive review with just out of the nature and being online and, you know, quipping off a negative or snarky remark is so easy. And now it's to the point where, okay, well, there's some negative stuff. Well, everybody's got negative stuff. But if you have yeah. a negative experience with a, an employee or, a, or someone in customer service that really sticks close to home and it really leaves a really bad taste in your mouth. You know, that's so funny. You brought up medical. I got LASIK like two weeks ago and I have red hair. There's kind of this, um, the red hair people tend to need more anesthesia. Anyways, my no. eyes were not numbed during this process and they royally messed up. <laughs> um, no, I'm not blind. There was a good outcome, but I felt everything I wasn't supposed to feel. Right. And um, I was berated the entire time by the surgeon. Oh. Um, and bad customer service, right? 
I really want to take this guy down just because the surgeon <laughs> berated me the entire time. Like I was an idiot for not being able to follow his instructions, but obviously he should have known something was wrong. I was not reacting in a normal way, right? Right. But yeah, so I'm trying to figure <laughs> out how to ruin his life, honestly. It was uh, excruciatingly painful. Um, so bad customer service is leading to the negative publicity there. But um, again, I can't. I will never let this go. <laughs> it's very strange. I have been in the revenge business so long. Now that it's over, I don't know what to do with the rest of my life. So really it is, if customer service is taken care of first and foremost, it'll prevent a lot of negative reviews. Yeah. Oh, for See, sure. That's why it's more important. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, yeah. It's a, well, yeah, the latter is the result of the former. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so start at the source. <laughs> and, to, and to that point, we try to make, and it, it can't happen every single time, but one of our value points and one of the things we hold true is how do we create a great brand experience each and every time? Mm -hmm. Not just talk about it, but what does that mean from how do we onboard them and how do we effectively communicate with them and how do we get out of the gates quickly? And so how do we put together these core components of what a brain experience wants to look like? And then how do we make sure we assign the different components to all the different teams that are interacting with these customers to make sure that we're creating those great brain experiences each and every time? That's critical for not just us, but for every business out there. Yeah. How involved is Brand Iron in the customer support strategy? Uh, it varies client by client. Some yeah. you know, were more involved on what we call the top of the funnel. And that's kind of our lane. And what I mean by that is more involved on the marketing or social media or digital marketing or digital advertising. And we help generate the lead and we kind of throw that over the fence, if you will. And some of them were involved in the, what I call the whole sales and marketing and customer experience or customer journey. So it totally varies on each client and what's important to them and what they feel they need help with or not. That makes sense. I mean, it's where you can help and where you can't, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of them where we just, that's, we are hired to do this and that's what yeah. we do and they don't want us involved in that. Yeah. That's the tough thing about consulting sometimes. Yep. It's hard to look away. <laughs> it's hard <laughs> to look the other way <laughs> and, you know, focus on what you were hired to do. Yep. Um, and okay, so we have the last one. Two ends of a spectrum on this one, but which is worse? Ethical issues or lack of innovation? Well, I, I, I'm going to go back to the core tenet of ethical issues. I mean, innovation is important, but if you can't build upon that trust foundation because there's mm -hmm. trust issues or ethical issues, you're, you're dead in the water. And yeah. so it's a non-starter in most relationships, even personal relations, not even business relationships, but you can't build a rock solid relationship when there's ethical issues and even begin to worry about innovation if you can't move forward from a foundational element or a foundational piece that's broken. No, I completely agree. It's also, it doesn't even have to be like true ethical issues sometimes. It maybe could just be perceived like just people are so weary these days yep. because everybody's like trying to make a buck. <laughs> um, well, so. It goes back to your previous thing. And I think lack of transparency can lead to perceived unethical situations if you're not fully transparent and fully communicating about all the different components going into something. 
Dr. Evil, while you were in space, I created a way for us to make huge sums of legitimate money and still maintain the ethics and the business practices of an evil organization. Yeah. I wanted to talk a bit about pitch decks yep. because you're highly skilled in pitch decks. And what are the high-level elements of a successful pitch deck? Well, um, there's several different key components. You've got to understand what your story is. And what I mean by that is who you are as a company, what value you bring to the marketplace, what problem you're solving. And if you're not solving a problem, how are you creating opportunity, let's say. Making sure that you understand what the competitive marketplace looks like and how and why you're different and better than anything else out there. Making sure you understand the timeline and how you're going to be able to bring a product or service to market or revise or update a product or service to market and understanding what all the different core components of that and what that looks like. You need to be able to have a, what I call a strong financial story. You know, we're here, we want to get to here. And how do we mm -hmm. get from point A to point Z? And what does that look like? That means we're going to grow so much in revenue, or we're going to bring on so many subscriptions or sell so many products. And by doing that, that's going to equate to X dollars in revenue. And that's going to give us a profit or an EBITDA of X percent. And then by growing that over such period of time, that's going to increase our enterprise value from point A to point Z of X number of dollars or X number of percentages of during that time. So you've got to be able to package and communicate this story, all the different components about your brand or service. You also got to talk about the team. Who's going to be the team in place to be able to pull these things together and help you execute this so that if someone's making an investment within your company, they understand your business model, they understand what you're trying to get accomplished, they understand what you're up against, they understand the timeline of it it's going to take to be able to bring it to market, as well as they understand the financial story or the outcomes you're looking to try to produce. And they understand kind of what the investment looks like and what the returns on that investment is going to look like. And you got to be able to put that in a nice, tight, clear and concise fashion. We like to shoot for in the middle 20, so like 24, 25 slides. And so, you know, here's a really good example. We just met with a firm that's in the multimedia space. That's, that's all I can tell you, but in the multimedia space. Mm -hmm. And they sent us like a 38-page deck, and they have no financial story in it. And the financial story probably needs to be for them probably four to six slides. And so I go, we got to cut out 12 slides, plus we got to add in four to <laughs> more slides, financial slides. So, oh, and yeah. by the way, you're telling me that this is a syndication of probably four or five different companies, and they all need to talk about all their different pieces to be able to make this thing happen. And I go... You've got a really complex story and it's way over complicated. And how do we tell a really complex story in a nice, simple, clear and concise fashion? And how do we do that successfully? And he goes, that's why I'm talking to you and hiring you guys to help me through that. <laughs> you know? And so that. there's a lot of work to do. Especially, and we, what we really see is we see typically way more content than what we have time and or space to show. So how do we take a lot of content and how do we visually tell a story, but also make sure it's got nuts and bolts to it. It, it really tells all the different key components, but it does it in a high level fashion. And I always say is just because you're telling that story in a clear and concise fashion, the core presentation could be 24, 25 slides, but you can still have another 25 slides or 50 slides or whatever in the appendix to be able to answer all their drill down questions or their deep financial questions. You just want to be able to tell a high level story within, let's say, 20 to 30 minutes 
if you've got an hour-long meeting, you still have time for another 20 to 30 minutes to be able to interact and communicate and collaborate and kind of help sell it and allow time for them to get to know you and what you're all about and how and why you're the right individual or team to be able to successfully pull this off. Yeah. Okay. I'm curious, are there any like kind of small mistakes that you've seen maybe good companies make that kind of um, make you sad? Because there's sometimes I see small mistakes in the customer support strategy that just good companies, but it just bums me out a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, in the cap raise decks, I'd say about 95 to 99% of the companies decks we see don't have a financial story and mm-hmm. they don't have a really good way of understanding what they're trying to get accomplished. They don't know how to put together a financial forecast. Here's a really good example. I had a group reach out to me this last summer and say, we want you to be a board member. We're going to compensate you. We're going to help you out to help improve our pitch deck and really tighten this thing up so we could out, go out and have a successful raise. Mm-hmm. And I've been working with them and they had a super long deck with a ton of content that you would probably need three to four hours to be able to present against. And we had to get rid of about 75 to 80% of it and really tell a story, nice tight story at the 50,000 foot view so that people could wrap you know minds around who we are, what we're all about and what we're trying to get accomplished in a really short amount of time. And they had no financial story. And my job was to only kind of reduce the deck down to a really good story, but add in a financial story and work with them on what the performa that's behind those financial forecasts and what they're going to be able to produce in the next couple of years or three to five years and what that looks like, as well as they're asking people to invest millions of dollars. Well, what are we going to do with that money and what's it going to produce as far as results are concerned? And how do we show that? And what does that want to look like? And mm-hmm. so I think almost all businesses, when it goes to doing cap raise decks, unless you're in the financial services or real estate sector, and you've done this before, but almost all other businesses don't know how to tell a good financial story. And if they can really do that and work on that, it, it really sets them apart from what we see out there. Um, so financial story is really a pitch, what a pitch deck should be. Then, no, it's, it's a component. It's a component of it. Yeah, but it's the most important. <laughs> okay. No, no. With modeling, selling your concept of what your product or services is probably more important. Yeah. But if you, you know, yeah, you've got to have a good justification of what you're doing, how you're doing it, how and why it's better than what else is available out there. That's hugely important. So you've got to make sure you've got that component down, but you've yeah. got to be able to communicate, well, what it's going to be able to produce as well, too. I gotcha. Um, you're like inspiring me to go make a pitch deck for some reason. <laughs> if you need any help, I know someone might be able to help you. <laughs> I have nothing to pitch, but well, I don't know. Um, it's just, I don't know. It's, I'm like, I feel challenged at this moment. Well, but you know what? We do. You know, it's actually, it's a great point because we put together one for ourselves, even though we're not raising mm-hmm. capital. It's kind of our bigger picture business plan and what we're trying to get accomplished and to make sure that we use it as a team alignment tool and what are our goals and objectives and what's our strategies to be able to effectively execute that. Yeah. So I kind of took, you know, you're your own client. And, and we're our own client. Exactly. And what, what can we do to reach our goals and objectives and all the different team members need to know and understand what their role in, is in that. Mm-hmm. And, and I do that for myself. I've got my own goal. Me, you know, my wife and I, we've got our goals and objectives. We put together a plan. 
and we work on executing our plan for our life and we kind of lay out what our strategy is. And I think I try to live not only the business, but personally live life with intentionality and working towards specific things you want to live in your life or within your you know, marriage or your relationship or whatever you want. But you've got so much time. So how do you take advantage of that time at work and, and at home? You sound like a very busy man who's well-organized. Um, you know, I've evolved. I wouldn't say I started out to be very organized, but if I wanted to accomplish my goals and objectives, I had to get really organized to be able to create the time necessary to do all the things I wanted to do. Yeah. No, teach. You got to have like CRM in your, your entire life. <laughs> Someone is staring at you in personal growth. Before we go, I just kind of want to know, what are your future predictions for Brand Iron, the industry as a whole? Where do you see yourself growing and focusing in the next couple of years? You know, how do you like to learn, Michael? What's what's next? A lot of questions. Yeah. So no, it's all good. So, you know, we laid out a couple of years ago our own strategy of what we're trying to get accomplished and what what does that want to look like? You know, and I've been doing this for a while now. And so one of the goals and objectives is how do we build a team so Brand Iron isn't dependent on me. So really, we've worked on replacing myself in business development. We worked on replacing myself from who's leading projects or kind of taking the creative lead and what does that want to look like? And we're working on who's going to be the lead from client strategy. So that's not always me. So I'm trying to really build the business so it's, it could be scalable and repeatable because before it was all dependent upon me and I was the barrier to growth. And if I was the barrier to growth, how do I remove myself or replace myself with different people that are going to do the different components so that I'm only responsible, let's say 5, 10, 15% versus 95%. And so we're continuing to work down that path of how do we build our team, build our processes and systems in place so we can create and deliver great brand experiences. And, but then also, you know, one of these days, you know, I'm doing more and more because I'm involved at different boards. Now I'm a partner in a real estate investment firm as well too. And one of these days I'm going to want to transition. So I'm, you know, instead of a full-time gig, make it a part-time gig and eventually transition out. And so in order to be able to do that, we have to put together a plan to be able to execute against that. And that's what we've been working on the last couple of years. And it's worked out really, really well. It's really tough because, you know, you want to ensure quality. It's so hard though, you know, yep. if you're not the one doing it. So, no, you're 100% right. Yeah, it's tough. It's just as it's, I know what you're trying to do or and I'm happy. I, it's good to hear that it's possible. <laughs> it's what I'll say. Um, There's some days where you're more encouraged than others, right? Where yeah. And some days you're like, oh my God, this, is it this, really going to understand? Is this really going to be able to happen? And so how do you continue to work that and refine it so that it becomes a reality eventually? Yeah, I'm learning that I just need to document everything if I ever want to get to a place and my organization can scale. I have yeah. just I have to document all of my thoughts. The strategy is really hard to teach. You know, yep. it's incredibly difficult because it's also it's opinionated based. You don't want to just package up something and give it to every single client because then they're not getting what they're paid for why they hired you, right? Yep, um, it's tough. It's and it's hard to let go, but because <laughs> you do have to well, let go a little bit. 
And like you know, there there's some people that are very what I call task oriented, right? Mm -hmm. There's some that are very relationally oriented. And so in order to find someone who's strategically oriented, and the other thing that we see too is they may have some strategic orientation, but they may not be good at interpersonal communication skills. Yeah. So how do you find the different components of the different people that will be able to implement the different components that you need for your organization to be able to grow and scale effectively? I love it when a plan comes together. Thank you so much for your time, Michael. This was really great. And it was a great episode. And I can't wait to release it. Hey, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. We're going to have a good time. Always. Thanks for hanging out with us on another episode of the Startup Smoothie Podcast. To gain a deeper understanding of how Brand Iron, the branding agency renowned for delivering effective results, is assisting organizations in reshaping and revitalizing their branding initiatives from all perspectives, please visit their website at brandiron.net. If you're not following the Startup Smoothie Podcast, please be sure to do so. Otherwise, have a great week. All the best.